You're listening to Rocks Across the Pond, the curling podcast that goes around the globe looking for the best stories in the world's coolest sport. We have curling news and views for everyone, whether you're playing in your Thursday league or following your favorite teams on tour. Now here are your hosts, Ryan McGee and our professor of Peel, Jonathan Havercroft. Hey everybody, welcome to Rocks Across the Pond. It's a curling podcast coming to you from Richmond, Virginia. My name is Ryan McGee and joining me in Southampton, England is our professor of Peel, Jonathan Havercroft. Jonathan, how are you today? I'm good. Classes just finished, so life is good. It's good. You're starting your, you're getting ready to start your off-season training program to get ready for Euros? Uh... I've been training already, so. Okay. Yeah. That's what we like to hear. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to ask you that same qu- I'm going to ask you the status of your off-season training uh, every time we record between now and when you go to Euros. Uh, yeah, that's fine. I mean, I got I, I didn't get to the gym as much as I wanted this week, twice for weightlifting and then right. two decent long runs, and we'll kind of start ramping it up a bit once, uh, once all the marking's done, but yeah. All right. We love to hear it. Yeah. Uh, well, today we have my favorite type of episode to do, which is basically like, so what's curling like where you are? Um, and this is probably the most unique one we've done. Yeah. No, I think, uh, yeah, we're going, I guess they described it as remote and was it isolated and remote? I yeah. Guess which yeah. is kind of the same thing. <laughs> well... Maybe. I don't know. You're more likely to be isolated if you're remote. But you could be remote and not isolated. I guess that's true. Yeah. I guess that's true. So yeah, not all not our, not all rectangles are square, squares, but all squares are rectangles. Um, but where, <laughs> where are we going today, Jonathan? We are going north. That's right. We are going to Iqaluit in Nunavut, uh, where we are going to talk to Peter Van Streen. He lives in Iqaluit, and he's going to tell us all about the club they have there, um, the issues that they have growing curling um, there, and kind of what the what the impact of being able to see Nunavut uh, represented at the Briar and Scotties has um, has on their ability to to get curlers. Um, it's a very like I said, it's one of the few times that we've had a guest on and I just had absolutely no um, no prior knowledge of where they were from. But Iqaluit, it's a, it's a city of 7,500 people. Uh, it's on the same latitude as Fairbanks. It's on the same la- uh, longitude as Bolivia. Uh, so a very unique place, a place that probably most of our listeners will never go to. Um, I'm going to... It will be very difficult for me to, to to eventually get to none of it. I would like, like talking to Peter, I would like to go up there and play in their bond spiel. They said that they get no out-of-towners, so it would be kind of cool to show up. Um, but it was wonderful to talk to Peter and learn more about Akaluit and none of it. What was something that you, um, that you took away from our conversation? Um. Okay, so so something sounded a bit like different. Like I think um, the way you kind of described the league structure and it's probably if you're in a community of seventy five hundred, you just don't have the the population base, right, to run a um, 
to recruit for like a, a four sheeter like you would have in Southern Canada. Right. But um, I think a lot of stuff's also the same. Like he was like, Oh, only a handful of people are doing all the work to keep the club yep. going. And I'm like, having been in a lot of curling clubs in my life. <laughs> that's the case everywhere. Uh, I think he's, you know, he was struggling to balance coaching and playing competitively and that kind of slung to me. So also like many of our arena clubs in the United States, they have, they can have difficulty getting ice time. However, their reasons are very unique. Um, so take a listen to our interview with Peter and find out the very unique reasons that they have trouble getting ice time at the Iqaluit Curling Club. So uh, here is our interview with Peter Van Streen. We are joined today by Peter Van Streen, and Peter is coming to us from Iqaluit all the way up in Nunavut, and he's going to tell us all about Curling up there in Nunavut, the recent Briar win uh, that the team from there had um, at the 2023 Briar, and all about how they're trying to grow the sport up there. So, Peter, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. All right. So, we will start with the question that we ask all of our guests. Can you please just tell us uh, where you're from and what it was like growing up there? Uh, I was born in Whitehorse in the Yukon, actually. My dad uh, used to uh, work on the telephone poles up there, but I didn't. I don't have any memories of it. I grew up in Ontario, mostly in southwestern Ontario, a town called Air was where I spent most of my time, and uh, it was great. It was, uh, you know, um, there wasn't a lot to do in town. You'd have to get a ride if you wanted to go to the mall or something like that. So mostly we just like. Uh, played sports after school, whether it be it road hockey or basketball or, you know, baseball, whatever, basically, and played on the local hockey team. Uh, it was a great place to grow up. And then, yeah, you could go, there were towns nearby, so it was very easy to, uh, you know, do some cool stuff. I don't know. <laughs> it was a great place to live. So how long have you been Iqaluit, in, in, in Iqaluit and what, what brought you there? Uh, I've been here for, uh, for about four years. Uh, really, it was just work opportunities. My brother had been living here uh, first. Both brothers actually lived in Nunavut, and uh, now they're gone and I'm here. But uh, they, it was kind of their suggestion. And uh, eventually, my brother was working with the city, and uh, he you know, sent me a, an, uh, some opportunity and I ended up getting that. And so I've just been, uh, here ever since it's been, you know, great place to be. Yeah. Just in, in general, what, uh, what brings people to the North into places like a Callaway, which are very small and very remote, like what opportunities are there that bring people in up here? Basically there's a shortage of uh, workers, generally and people you know so there are lots of opportunities for any kind of job but um and and there's a a chance to sort of uh, make much better money than you would down south as we call it and uh and even to take on more uh uh responsibility than you would be able to to grow in your career so the, there's a lot of opportunity to grow in your career here in in the Calvert or in Nunavut generally and uh, like my brother, one of my brothers I was talking about, 
uh, he came to teach here because it was basically impossible to get a, a, a normal teaching job in Ontario right away where you could in Iqaluit or in uh, Santa Kilowack, actually, in his case. But uh, uh, so a lot of people go, you know, if they, if they don't see their careers necessarily going the right way, they can look for other opportunities. And there are definitely opportunities for all sorts of work in, in Nunavut and Iqaluit. So you've, you've been there about four years. I mean, I, I know very little about Nunavut and Iqaluit. Can you just tell us about Iqaluit um, and just what, what makes it a special place to, to live? It's uh, very remote and it's uh, very isolated. I guess those are similar. <laughs> but you, uh, you always have to fly in, general, you know, for the most part. And so um, there's no, you know, taking a drive out of town, you know, to the nearest town. You know, it's uh, you. So uh, uh, that's one huge uh, difference, basically. Uh, whatever your is in your town, that's what, you know, that's what you can do for the uh, for that time. Um, it's there's the main town and all the buildings look uh, different than you would find buildings looking in the south. You know, take if you find pictures, it's very colorful and uh, they're fun shapes, basically. But um, uh, so as far as the landscape is very unique. So uh, it's we're right on the coast and there's it's a lot of hills and stuff. Um, and then, yeah, there's a lot of land for people to go out and hike, go out on the land is like a, a common phrase and, uh, do hunting and fishing if you're into that sort of thing, or just go out for long snowmobile rides. They have trails basically that, that work themselves out. Nobody puts them there, I don't think, but, uh, um, and, uh, but in town, you know, there's just, uh people around and uh people go to the local watering holes and whatnot you know but uh it's it's definitely unique there's not there's not all the stuff to do that uh you would have in other communities or you know the big towns nearby that you could go to to do certain things you know uh and it's uh there's a lot of getting stuff shipped in and uh but, you know, we have, in account, we have a movie theater, you know, we have, uh, uh, like I say, uh, you know, re a few restaurants and things like that, you know, and uh, we have aquatic center, you know, where, and well, facilities for hockey and stuff like that, you know, it, it's definitely unique. Um, and yeah, it's cold a lot of times. That's the other thing. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, uh, even now there's still a little bit of snow on the ground here in May. And, uh, uh, most of it's melted, but there's still some. And then, uh, um, it, uh, pretty soon we'll get to where it's light or mostly light all, uh, all day long. Uh, whereas, uh, in, and then in the winter, of course, there's, we're down to, you know, like four hours of light. So, you know, it's, uh, that, that can be tough for a lot of people to get used to for sure. Was it tough for you to get used to? <laughs> Uh, not so much for me. It, uh, I'm pretty easy to accommodate and I'm a good sleeper, one of the better sleepers out there. So I can, uh, it, you know, a little bit of light doesn't bother me, but I know it bothered my brother. 
uh, he had to get the tin foil and uh, really tape up the windows so that nothing snuck in. So, you know, um, it's, <laughs> I think if, put it this way, a lot of people who come here, they realize pretty soon that it's not for them. But then a lot of people who come are okay. thinking, oh, I'll spend a year. That's sort of what I was thinking or whatever. I'll spend a short amount of time there, make a little bit of money and then go back. But, you know, uh, sometimes that's not as uh, appealing once you're already here as, uh, you know, you kind of get to where you like it here. And uh, as long as you can take some of the deal with some of the things like not being able to go to, uh, you know, Costco or something and, you know, being able to deal with the light or lack thereof, then, uh, then it's just fine. But the, the, those are uh, for, it's not for everybody. That's for sure. All right. So most of our listeners are in the U S um, what is something that someone here in the U S probably takes for granted that you don't take for granted, uh, living up there in a Callaway? Well, uh, uh, daylight, and uh in the uh in the winter and uh, uh darkness uh in the uh summertime uh it's definitely a unique situation up here uh sometimes we have had uh issues with water where we get semi regular boil water advisories stuff like that or even just uh general isolation is something here that uh you know from community, from other communities and stuff that uh, is not as certainly common. Nunavut's a different animal from, and the North, I would say, than, than even most of Canada. So yeah, it's just, uh, it's something a lot of people take for granted, but it's uh, great here all the same. So, I mean, this is a curl, it's fascinating. Did you curl before you got to Iqaluit, or is that something you picked up when you moved up, up North? Uh, yeah, so uh, I curled in Air Ontario. That was my first club. Uh, curled there uh, in my teens. Great place to curl. Great club. And uh, yeah, I played a little bit uh, at my college, uh, Fanshawe in London, uh, and then played you know more in Air, and then uh, yeah, eventually made the move up here to Nunavut, and uh, uh, yeah, uh, it's a different curling experience. You can tell. It, it uh, there's um, kind of less people running things than uh, at uh, a lot of clubs in the south, but uh, um, uh, uh, I like it. I like the people, and uh, it's a great place to curl. Yeah. So okay, let's talk a little bit about when did you start curling then in air? Was it uh, in juniors, or did you just pick it up in your like college time? Or yeah, a little bit in juniors. Um, just uh, something to do on a uh, Sunday afternoon, I guess, or Sunday morning. Yeah, uh, joined the leagues, you know, and uh, a little bit on and off curling in Ontario. Yeah, I played a little bit. I ended up playing a little bit in college uh, at uh, Fanshawe in London. Yeah, I was always a. I always enjoyed it. I always uh, thought curling was a really great game. And uh, just the more I got into it, the more I enjoyed it, I guess. What's your favorite aspect of curling? I think my favorite is the strategy. I like strategy games a lot, so it matches with that aspect of my personality. And uh, yeah, there's the there's no other sport where 
that's such a key factor is thinking through what's going to happen after this shot or will this one work better? And there's so many different factors, how the ice is playing, how your throwers are playing. It's a, I love that aspect of curling. It's just uh, endlessly fascinating. Uh, did you watch curling growing up? Did you watch like the Briar and Scotties on TV? And uh, like, if so, did you ever, I guess you said you grew up in the territories initially. So did you have like an affinity for the teams from the North? Uh, a little bit, yeah, but uh, yeah, I I watched. Um, that's really how I noticed curling was seeing it on like TSN or the highlights or what have you. Um, so uh, then I just wanted to try it, and uh, yeah, you uh, always had a soft spot for the northern teams, although you know, obviously uh, with limited success. And then uh, you know, I was a big fan of watching Kevin Martin, you know, obviously, and uh, some. Other, uh, but but he he was probably my favorite at the time. Yeah, I loved watching the Briar and and Scotties and Worlds. Any curling I could get, I I loved to uh, watch it. Yeah. And so when you got to Nunavut, uh, like what 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 struck you about the club first of all? Was it was there anything different about it compared to the curling you'd done down south? Um, league set up differently, style of play different. It's a good question. There's uh, yeah, I wasn't sure what to expect really, and how. You know what? What whether it be the same or not, and it's not really the same. Uh, it you don't have uh, it didn't you know it didn't remind basically for one thing the building is kind of uh, you know inside it doesn't look like a curling club that uh, you know you would get in Ontario or whatever where you have your nice nice bar area and uh, you know uh, just ready before you go to the sheets. So it's sort of a plain indoor building, and then. Uh, but, but, you know, the curling ice is very, you know, obviously it looks similar. And then, uh, yeah, um, I think so, it, that it's, uh, we're near a bar, but it's not, uh, so that aspect, which is a big aspect uh, generally, you know, the post-game drinks and stuff uh, is, was harder to get uh, set up. We kind of have to go a little bit maybe elsewhere to uh, get that. But as far as the club goes, Basically, there's less people uh, than at some of the clubs, you know, that I'm used to. So um, it's more of a you come and you, whoever comes, you set up games, that sort of thing. That's more common. And then because uh, we're the main club for the territory, then you then it'll also house the playdowns and various things. But uh, yeah, yeah. Is it so? How, how many rinks are there in Nunavut? Is it just the only one in Iqaluit, or are there any other places that have rinks? Right now, there's the only one is in Iqaluit. Yeah, there's um, there there was one recently in uh, Rankin Inlet, and I my understanding is there was one in Cambridge Bay as well. But uh, at this point, right now, we're the only uh, club in Nunavut that's uh, running. And like, how long has there been curling in Nunavut? Is it a relatively new sport, or has it been there uh, since like a Calumet was settled? Or uh, that I'm not too sure about. I won't. Like I said, I've only been here for four years or whatever. But I, I, I don't think it. I think it's relatively new. Um, but I think also, you know, like there was a. You know, obviously, it's Canadian, so there's a decent amount of people who who uh, want to curl. Uh, and, uh, there was a, I, I'm thinking it's probably been running for 30, 25, 30 years, but that I'm not sure about that. 
And it's like the, the rink itself. So it, was it built maybe? So it sounds like you think it was built maybe 25, 30 years ago. Like, like how many sheets is it? Um, how many members? And you kind of said the league structure is a bit more kind of drop in and, and play when you want. But how are the like how many leagues or, or things are organized like that? Yeah, so it's a four sheeter. Uh, yeah, as far as when it's built, I'm not sure because a lot some it's a city owned facility. It could have been used for other things too before they decided to to, to have it as a crown club. I'm I'm not sure about that. Uh, yeah, as far as leagues go, like um, yeah, we basically have a couple of league nights, um, and other nights are sort of set aside for when we have one night that's for juniors and Little Rocks, and we have another night that. It's sort of people can set up games if they want to practice or what have you. Um, but yeah, and at this point right now, I mean, we've had a, a bit of a struggle the last few years. Be, you know, you have between COVID, we had the water crisis that I was mentioning earlier, where the facility ended up getting uh, taken over by the city. They own it, you know, um, to distribute water. And then... Uh, this past year, there was um, what was going to happen was a film crew was going to be given access to it sort of mid-season. And uh, that ended up not happening, but it kind of messed with our schedule. So, yeah, so it's been a bit tricky the last few years to run sort of proper leagues. Uh, we, you know, so, yeah, uh, for the most part, it's uh, this is we're playing to, you know, anybody who shows up will set up some games. Yeah, I imagine during a water crisis, you don't want to be wasting water on building curling ice. Well, at that time, the ice probably was already there, uh, you know, so, you know, it's, okay. uh, um, but yeah, the, uh, the, it just, they needed a place that was, cause it, it was cold, you know, they, it, they, they, they couldn't, uh, keep, uh, handing out water outdoors. They, they needed an inside, an inside indoor place. And, uh, they, there's only so many places that are uh, well set up, I guess, for delivering, uh, for uh, ha- warehousing and delivering water. So that that they thought uh, that, and that that sort of is an issue, an ongoing issue for us. Uh, but not not the water crisis bit, but just that you know um, sometimes uh, we have to take a backseat to whatever is going on in the city, that sort of thing. You mentioned the juniors and Little Rocks night that you guys have set up. Did I see that you have a wait list for your Little Rocks program? Uh, that sounds like it might be right. I know, um, yeah, we have a decent amount of kids that come out for the Little Rocks, which is very positive. Um, and uh, some of our wait lists probably such that they are, because um, sometimes we've had that with Learn to Curl, and it, I think it just depends on how many people uh, we're able to get at, for to even volunteer, you know. I know it's been within the last decade that Nunavut has started, you know, having its own representation at um, Canadian curling championships. Has has having that visibility helped grow the sport there, especially among the the younger curlers? Yeah, I, I, it couldn't hurt. That's for sure. And uh, you know. Um, we're a pretty young territory to begin with, but it's, uh, I think it's nice that there's somewhere on the national stage that you can represent this territory, which is not uh, that it's not that common. Uh, you know, I don't know 
if it's something a lot of kids are thinking about, but I know I would if I was a young curler coming up here. And uh, I think it's a very neat opportunity to uh, one day maybe play in the Scotties or Briar that you wouldn't, that would be, it's, a, it's more of an option here than it would be in a lot of places. And even just to curl nationally for uh, new is something that, if you take it seriously, is definitely uh, on the horizon. So you, it, it said, were you coaching a team at the Winter Games then, or how did you go to the? How did you go to them? Religious interest, or and is there a chance you'd end up coaching like a team in the Junior Nationals then, or? Yeah. So uh, yeah, this this year I did get to coach uh, the team for the Arctic Winter Games, uh, the new new team. Um, this is a, it's kind of a stepping stone, uh, you know, get all the Northern communities, the territories here and uh, Alaska was in it and, uh, um, uh, oh, and Northern Alberta, uh, the they were the five teams that competed in the Arctic winter games. And, uh, it was, it was, it was a great experience. The, um, uh, most of our kids were pretty young and pretty new. So they got, uh, they got beat, you know, they got it handed to them pretty good, but it's a great experience and it helped hopefully this group, if they stay together and keep trying, uh, can have, uh, uh, can pick it up to where they're maybe getting some of those wins and that'd be lovely. Uh, it was, it was good fun and it's a good experience, uh, for the kids for sure. Uh, so, um, a terrific experience all around. Uh, hope, you know, we'll see down the road. It depends, uh, on, uh, how committed these kids are, if they want to co if they want to play at junior nationals, you know, it's a step up from the Arctic winter games. So, uh, they, you know, it takes a lot of, uh, practice and a lot of really getting to learn the game to where they go. Now they can go, but do they want to get, you know, they want to be competitive, you know, that's the key. Um, and you know, sometimes it takes just getting to play a few times, you know, before you can really get to that stage though. So, uh, you will see. And then, uh, I have to factor in the time that I have you between, uh, work and whatnot, and, uh, also trying to play myself, uh, as, uh, you know, there's opportunities to curl here that, uh, I like to try and take advantage of myself. And what do you think the biggest challenge is with uh, growing the sport in Nunavut? Uh, well, honestly, the biggest challenge we've had the last few years is just having the club uh, open at all time, you know, at, at, throughout the entire winter. Uh, we've had, uh, you know, we had the COVID issue recently. We had, uh, we had a water crisis, which I had kind of alluded to, uh, where, the club ended up getting the city owns the club and sometimes they needed to use the club for various purposes. And one was to distribute water. And then these, uh, last year there was some talk of them, of, of a film crew needing the space to use to, to shoot. Now they didn't end up using it, but it sort of, uh, interrupted our year just the same. And it looks like that's going to happen again, uh, next year. So, uh, you know, um, uh, also another thing to get taken for granted is having the ice, uh, to use, but, uh, 
that's a big challenge. And also just reaching out to people who are unfamiliar because curling is not a, um, you know, it's not a traditional sport here. Uh, it's a sport uh, that, uh, well, just a lot of people who've come here, you know, most Canadians had a, a curling uh, facility in their area, even in rural areas for years and years. So uh, this was just like that. But uh, getting, you know, a lot of the uh, people who aren't familiar to curling uh, interested and uh, to see the pluses that uh, we see uh, is a challenge that uh, hopefully we, you know, will succeed at. One of the encouraging things is that uh, there is um, our our young teams, our Arctic Winter Games teams, our, our Little Rocks are um, uh, more diverse and more of the community. We five of the eight of our uh, players at Arctic Winter Games were Inuit. So uh, if we could get to the stage where uh, a lot of the where Inuit were representing new in national championships. I think that would be a lovely and wonderful thing. Well, the goal, hopefully, like I say, is if we get these, these players to, uh, uh, to really get uh, committed to the game and then we can improve, uh, make it a popular sport for everybody who's here. Cause like I say, I think it's one, I think it's the best game around. I'd love to see it become a popular uh, sport among the Inuit here. It's, but you know, it's not one of their traditional sports. It, uh, but uh, like I say, I, I mean, I'm encouraged by what I'm seeing from a lot of the young kids. But it, but it's, uh, it's something we have to work on for sure. So, so recently, uh, Nunavut did get its first win at the Briar. What was the reaction locally uh, to that victory? Uh, the reaction was great. There was a lot of. Uh, it was definitely a news item here. It was. Uh, I think it was great just to get the national headlines uh, about uh, Nunavut's first win. And But here was, you know, there was a very, certainly it was uh, something we were very excited about. I know there's in some pockets, there are some people who would have liked it to be more of a local team that uh, broke the, uh, broke our, our, uh, our donut, our bagel there. One of the guys is, uh, I know Terry, he was the uh, Sparrow team, and uh, he's local here. And then, uh, hmm. uh, you know, a few of the guys were uh, birthright players, but they're still new guys. So there's there were some people who would have preferred some more local people um, break it, or people who, you know, more of the community. But I view it as uh, this is good. It puts... It, it makes us seem, you know, more competitive, which I think was true, you know, and I think we are getting more competitive, but, um, that's what, uh, anyway, I hope, uh, we can keep going with going forward. Is that kind of, you think the progression is get Nunavut there, have a little bit of success, have that inspire people. And then eventually it be primarily people from Nunavut, from Iqaluit or, wherever who were like resident residential uh players with your one import and be it and have it be just like you know every other province in in uh canada well for now (laughs) (laughs) um yeah i mean these uh the residency rules are always kind of changing so it just i think it depends what is going to be allowed there 
yeah, try and just hopefully compete harder, closer as, as things go with the teams we have. And uh, yeah, it, to the, to the extent that we have some success, hopefully that uh, it's like a snowball effect and uh, we get some local players, some of the kids, like I say, um, who really take it up and really want to, um, you know, get there like uh, just like all the other provinces. And uh, I think for the most part, presuming the residency rules stay the way they are, usually, yes, you're going to have one import. If there's an import possibility, that's going to be an option taken. Now, having said that, uh, the the runner-up team in our Briar Playdowns, they were, um, you know, like, centimeter or two short of actually going to the briar this year and they they were a team of four uh nunavumian what do you think would happen if they got rid of the residency rules and you had a group of just you know four curlers from toronto deciding they have an easy path to the briar if they just sign up and spend a weekend in Iqaluit to go through playdowns to try and represent Nunavut at the Briar. What would the reaction be then? Yeah, I think if it got to that point, um, it kind of defeats the whole purpose. I don't uh, don't really necessarily foresee something like that. But uh, yeah, once, if it did, I I don't don't really see the point of having any... uh, uh, you know, the, the standard territorial rep and provincial representation that I think is great for the event and we'll just see what happens. But yeah, I know that you wouldn't, uh, that's not something I don't think most people uh, from Nunu would be excited about cheering for a team. That's all people from outside of Nunu. Like I said, there was, um, plenty, there was plenty of Nunu connection to the team that did go. And so, the further away it gets from um, having the, the the team all be from Nunavut is uh, the further, the less people would be excited about the team. I think that's fair to say. Do you think that would stunt the growth of curling in Nunavut? Or do you think that there's enough of a draw of, you know, this is a sport that can be done recreationally by everyone that you still wouldn't have a problem getting curlers, but, you know, having them you know, start young and go through, um, go through the, you know, the competitive, uh, junior levels. Do you think that that would, um, stunt that growth? I think, uh, to some degree now, not everybody, I mean, it's like everybody where else, not everybody's looking to make the national events or what have you. Basically it, let's put it this way. If Nunu wasn't in as a, a briar, if that wasn't an option if the, to make these national events, uh, I think that would definitely stunt the growth of the sport here for sure. Because if it, it's really for the people who would want to take it seriously, uh, there would it would feel kind of uh, like there wasn't much of an option. So yeah, I think that would stunt the growth. Um, there's there would theoretically and hopefully there would be a decent enough uh, you know recreational. Uh, um, group of curlers that would just play for fun. You know, I mean, there are, is that group now, but you also like to have the competitive, semi-competitive players. Uh, and you want to have uh, an option for the uh, younger players who are more ambitious to have that option to complete, to compete nationally. 
and even you know we've had some newer curlers who started as uh, you know um, recreational type players who uh, saw the opportunity and then took it more seriously you know we that's the kind of thing I think would uh, we would hate to lose I think the, the excitement about trying to compete more seriously so is your team your your Briar Playdown team? Are they like all local to Akaluit at the moment, or you do you have an import also? Like like I guess one of my puzzles is like how hard is it to even just get a team together uh, when you're that that small of a curling community and, and that far away from other curling rinks? Yeah, it's very t- tough, and uh, it's tough. You know, like in most small towns, you wouldn't expect there to be many um serious curlers and we have the um you know disadvantage as well of being far away from any other small towns that we could get some other people so uh there's only some there's only so many people who are taking curling uh you know even semi-seriously you know and so that's the you have a small pool to go from from the beginning having said that that makes there some opportunities for people the people who do want to take it seriously and, uh, but it definitely, there's not, your options are limited to say the least. And, uh, yeah, at the, the Callaway Curling Club, there's, uh, this past year, again, it was kind of a weird year, but we had about 70 members, uh, something like that, maybe 70 to a hundred, you know, a lot of that, that was some of our younger players, our little rocks and our, uh, juniors, you know, um, which is good, but, uh, yeah. Um, and then mostly I would say recreational type players after that. Um, so yeah, uh, definitely it's tough. Uh, sometimes that's why you would, if you wanted to try to compete at the Briar, you would want to probably get an import, that sort of thing. Um, but, um, uh, yeah. So anyway, point, point is it to get a, serious team together yeah that that is a challenge for sure and so how many teams do you guys have is it in the playdowns so yeah this year uh, I was uh, with one of the teams Uh, there were three teams in the men's playdowns and two in the women's playdowns the the men's uh, was a pretty competitive event the 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 Higgs team they were they were the best team they won all their games but like I said they really got a challenge in the final um, and, uh, our, our ladies team that did, uh, win, they're a pretty good team. You know, it's a challenge, uh, at national, at the national level, certainly, but here they're, they're definitely our best team. Um, but that was encouraging and hopefully, you know, we could probably get a fourth team, you know, if things uh, kind of worked out right. So there, there are some, teams, uh, some players definitely who want to try and make the Briar. So I'm looking forward to next year's uh, playdowns for that as well. Yeah, no, this is really fascinating. So thanks for thanks for joining us today, Peter. Yeah, And you, you guys did just have a bond spiel there, right? Yeah, so during the year, the, we'll usually have, uh, you know, uh, two or three or, you know, depending how long our season is, maybe more um, uh, bond spiels. Uh, a popular one here is to have buttons and bowls where they combine curling and darts. That's popular. Um, we, the one we just had was more of a, uh, it was actually more of a charity, uh, bond spiel. I kind of forget what it was for, but it was, uh, 
Uh, but anyway, we had, you know, it's an 18 bond spiel and uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, nothing, it this, that was more uh, just kind of curling, uh, but uh, which I mean, to me is good enough. <laughs> but, and then, uh, yeah. Um, but, you know, it's challenging. That's another challenging thing here is you can't, you don't get a lot of out of town teams or anything like that, you know, but we do have some people who, that's all they want to play. They just want to play pawn spiels or what have you. You know, they don't necessarily want to be members. So getting them to become more, uh, I guess, uh, regular uh, curlers, that's another goal we'll have. So, um, yeah, uh, those are definitely a lot of fun, like anywhere down south. Uh, bond spiels are a great time. Uh, and uh, But, yeah, they can be tricky here. But we, but, uh, we do... Uh, you know, get them to happen every month or so. So, yeah. All right. Well, Peter, thank you so much for joining us. This was a blast and uh, good luck to you in uh, hopefully in playdowns next year. Thank you very much for having me guys. Thank you for listening to rocks across the pond, a curling podcast. If you enjoyed this show, we ask you to please leave a review or tell a friend about us. Your referrals to friends and family are the greatest compliment we can receive and is what allows our show to grow and share our love of this great game. You can find all of our past shows and blog posts at rocksacrossthepond.com. If you have a question or comment, you can reach us at rocksacrossthepond at gmail.com or find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Thank you again for taking the time to listen to us, and we will talk to you again real soon. <laughs>